welcome to Tori Mecha Parsha with the OU Women's Initiative. My name is Rachel Besser, and today we will be studying Parshiot Bahar and Bechukotai. With these two Parshiot, we come to the end of our journey through Sefer Vayikra. Parshat Bahar deals primarily with the laws of Shemitah and Yovel. The seventh year is called Shemitah, a year when the land is given its rest and the farmer must not plant any food. The Pasuk refers to the Shemitah year as Shabbat Shabbaton, a term that is used only in Tanakh to describe Shabbat, Yom Kippur, and Shemitah, hence creating a system in which, the, in which the seventh day, the seventh month, and the seventh year are all dedicated to Hashem, a time of rest. On this year, the farmer expresses his complete dependence on Hashem and acknowledges that the land he tills actually belongs to God, and the produce that he reaps through the other six years has come from God as well. During the Shemitah year, the land is considered hefker, ownerless. Anyone can come and take food, the farmer himself, the farmer's neighbor, or the poor of the community. Shemitah is followed by Yovel, the 50th year of the cycle. Yovel is the year after seven Shemitah cycles, or seven sets of seven. Yovel is a more extreme version of Shemitah. Not only can the farmer not plant, but any land bought during the previous 49 years reverts to the original owner from the time when the land was divided. Jewish slaves who have been working for a Jewish owner are set free and sent on their way. Yovel also cancels all monetary debts. In general, Parsha Bahar teaches that a person may never oppress a slave and must treat him or her like a hired worker, not as somebody that you own. Land in general can and should be redeemed by family members, even before Yovel, if it is sold out of the family. Parshat B'chukotai recounts tremendous blessings to B'nai Israel if they follow Hashem. Their economy, their political situation, their religious lives will all flourish. If, however, they do not follow, follow Hashem, the curses that are recounted are in equal measure to the blessings. The parsha concludes with various amounts that a person can pledge to the Beit HaMikdash and what these amounts are. Throughout our journey in Sefer Vayikra, we noticed that our lens in viewing and developing our relationship with Hashem was getting wider. We started inside the Mishkan with the Korbanot of Vayikra and Sav. We learned how to use the Korbanot to connect to Hashem, both as individuals and as a community. In Shemini, we examined the boundaries of our passionate connection with Hashem, and then we slowly broadened our lens in Tazria and Mitzorah to outside of the, the Mishkan, outside the Beit HaMikdash, to the laws of Tumah and Tahara, purity and impurity, which protect the Mikdash, but also give us the ability and the consciousness to look to fix our own mistakes and direct our lives towards goodness. In Parshiot, Achrimot, and Kedoshim, we learn to seek holiness in all of our endeavors and in our daily lives. And finally, in Emor, we became holy ourselves and were able to establish the holidays to invite Hashem into our own houses. Bahar and Bechukotai are the last steps of the journey. Bahar teaches that it's not enough to live a holy life as an individual following the mitzvot presented in Achrimot, Kedoshim. And it's not even enough to establish holidays that help us understand the harvest cycle and dedicate it towards God. But rather, in Bahar we learn that our community as a whole must connect to Hashem through our economic system. The system presented in Bahar is one that makes sure that there isn't oppression and unfairness in the communal system itself. Milton Freeman 
Milton Friedman is a famous free market economist who argues that the free market is what actually causes the world to flourish. He says the following, well, first let me, first of all, tell me, is there some society you know that doesn't run on greed? You think Russia doesn't run on greed? You think China doesn't run on greed? What is greed? Of course, none of us are greedy. It's only the other fellow who's greedy. The world runs on individuals pursuing their separate interests. Then he goes on. After explaining that it's actually greed that helps our economy progress, he says the greatest achievements of civilization have not come from government bureaus. Einstein didn't construct his theory under an order from a bureaucrat. Henry Ford didn't revolutionize the automobile industry that way. In the only cases in which the masses have escaped from the kind of grinding poverty you're talking about, the only cases in recorded history are where they have had capitalism and largely free trade. If you want to know where the masses are worse off, worst off, it's exactly in the kind of societies that depart from that. So in his ideology of free trade, Milton Friedman explains that it's actually greed that helps society progress. This became the backbone of Friedman's economic system. People will forge ahead and create innovation when trying to pursue their own interests, and that, that can help people rise out of poverty. It's hard to argue with this, but obviously people do argue. This isn't the only system of, of economy that, people, that uh, economists suggest. Um, and the capitalist system has a lot of merits to it. And what Friedman says seems to largely echo our own experience. However, the capitalist system doesn't always support every individual. Maybe society as a whole moves ahead, but what about the people who don't? What about the people who get lost in the capitalist system? Parsha Bihar creates a different kind of world, one which straddles the borders of the capitalist system with a theological system. It's not enough to just get ahead. You also have to be good. You also have to care about people who aren't getting ahead. You do own the land and you don't own it at the same time. You can own a person as a slave and you can't at the same time. You can buy you can buy land, but it's really a long-term rental because it will revert back to the original owner at the Yovel. This is the final widening of the lens of Sefer Fayikra. We have worked and journeyed to establish a relationship with Hashem both as individuals and a community. Parsha Bahar depicts the ideal way that individuals function within a community. When we stop and refrain from planting on the seventh year, we recognize that the land ultimately does not belong to us. There are qualifications and expectations that come with owning land, which co that come with the capitalist system and with getting ahead. We can't just run, live in Israel and let greed run our societies. There has to be a time when we're all equal, when the rich and poor mingle on the land, when we all feel that existential question asked in Parsha Bihar, what will we eat in the eighth year when we don't plant in the seventh? And the answer is that we have to learn to rely on Hashem. Similarly, when we let our slaves go at the Yovel year, we affirm the humanity of each person. We realize that at the end of the day, we are all ultimately slaves to Hashem. We are all equally responsible to God. And therefore, we recognize and we connect our success and our living in Eretz Yisrael with our responsibility to keep the mitzvot, to serve Hashem, and to help each other. Parsha B'chukotai directly connects the curses that come to us 
with the people not keeping Shemitah. Parak 26, Pasuk 33 says, V'etchem ezra b'goyim v'harikuti acharichem cherev v'ita artochem shmama v'arichem yiyu charava. I will scatter you among the nations and I will draw out the sword after you and your land will be a desolation and your cities shall be waste. Why is this all going to happen? Verse 34, Then the land will get back its Shemitah years. All of those years that it's that you're not on the land, that the land is desolate because you aren't there. Then the land will rest and it will get back its Shemitahs, its Shabbats, its rest time. There's a direct connection. If you don't, it's not just that if you don't keep the Shemitah, Hashem will punish you for not keeping the Shemitah. But if you don't keep the Shemitah, it means your economic system is not the best that it could be. It means you don't realize that there's a connection between your deeds and what Hashem gives you. It means that you think that Eretz Yisrael just belongs to you with no responsibilities towards the poor, with no qualifications, with no need to depend on Hashem. And therefore, says Parsha Baharim B'chul Kotai, you can either do it on your own and make those Shemitah years, or I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to kick you off your land, says Hashem in Parsha B'chul Kotai, and the Shemitah will happen on its own. The, to deserve Eretz Yisrael, you must realize and respect that ultimately you do not own it. The way to live well in Eretz Yisrael is to realize that it comes with boundaries, with expectations. And those expectations are so simple and yet so difficult. Do not oppress the poor. Do not enslave people forever. Do not abuse the privilege of living in the land. This ultimately is what it means to have a true connection to Hashem. It begins with the Mishkan, with the Beit HaMikdash, and our connection through Korbanot. But the connection cannot stop with feeling spiritual passion, it has to manifest itself in deeds. We spoke about this already, but the Pasuk and Shmot that we learn how to establish a Mishkan says, Make for me a holy place, but it doesn't say I'll live in it. It says I'll live in you. For Hashem to live amongst us, we need to bring Hashem in, not just on the holidays, but every day. There's a story that's told about a Rav who was walking along with one of his Talmidim, with one of his students. And they see two boys playing. And as kids often do, they were boasting to each other. And one says, I'm taller than you. And the other one says, no, I'm taller than you. So the first boy says to his friends, I'm taller than you. And he jumps up as high as he can. And the other one says, no, I'm taller than you. And he pushes the other kid to the ground. The Rav turns to his student and he says, that first boy, the one who jumped up, he's going to do great things because there's two ways to get ahead. One is by pushing yourself up and one is by pushing other people down. We have to find a way to push ourselves up and not even, and definitely not push people down, but to pick up our neighbors with us. This is what it means to truly live a godly life, one infused with Kedushah with holiness, one in which each person is striving for closeness to Hashem that manifests itself in a society that cares about its weakest links. I want to thank everybody for going through this journey through Sefer Vayikra with me. I have to say when I started, Sefer Vayikra was really foreign. 
I didn't know how I was going to be able to get through, but with your help and through our learning together, I feel that I've come to an understanding that I didn't have before, and I thank you so deeply um, for this gift. Chazak, chazak, v'nit chazek. Thank you for studying Parshiot Bahar and B'chukotai together with the OU Women's Initiative.